You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Apple issues an out-of-band patch for three iOS zero days. Shadow Brokers leaks remain under investigation. Fish Labs and TrapX release anti-ransom tools. Ramnit and DreamBot are after bank accounts, and DreamBot spreads over tour. NIST has a de-identification standard out for comment. AT&T looks at academic networks as students head back to school. Industry news includes some cyber FUD-enabled short selling, and Russia isn't feeling the love in cyberspace. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary and week in review for Friday, August 26, 2016. Apple has issued an out-of-band patch for three vulnerabilities in iOS. These were discovered and disclosed by the University of Toronto's Citizen Lab and security company Lookout. The vulnerabilities, which are being called Trident, are associated with an intercept toolkit called Pegasus, sold by NSO Group. Apple addressed three vulnerabilities in its patch, an information leak in the kernel, a kernel memory corruption leading to jailbreak, and a memory corruption in WebKit. Users of iOS devices are, of course, advised to apply the patches as soon as possible. Citizen Lab began its investigation after receiving a phone from Ahmed Mansour, a dissident and human rights activist from the United Arab Emirates. On August 10th and 11th, Mansour received SMS messages he suspected were fish bait, and he sought help from Citizen Lab. Citizen Lab cooperated with Lookout, the well-known mobile security company. They found Pegasus, which Lookout calls, quote, the most sophisticated attack we've seen on any endpoint, end quote. The link in the phishing message essentially jailbreaks the phone in one click and installs persistent spyware. Pegasus, Citizen Lab says, collects and exfiltrates calls, messages, and a range of personal information, things like contact lists, calendar entries, and passwords. NSO Group describes itself as a vendor of lawful intercept tools. Their customer is unknown, but circumstantial evidence points strongly toward the government of the United Arab Emirates. What the customer may have paid for Pegasus is also unknown, but observers think it was a lot. Citizen Lab calls Mansour the million-dollar dissident. Foreign Policy notes that the zero-day vendor Zerodium offered a bounty of $1 million for an exploitable iOS bug, which communicates some sense of the market. Whatever the market may be, it's likely to fall short of the half billion the shadow brokers say they want for a bunch of alleged NSA attack code they've come by through obscure means. As far as we know, the bidding on their online auction has remained orders of magnitude below their asking price. The U.S. intelligence community continues to investigate as Cisco, Hayway, and Juniper Networks are said to be downplaying the impact of the shadow brokers' leaked exploits. There's some good news on the ransomware front. Fish Labs has released a decryptor for the recently discovered Alma Locker ransomware strain. And TrapX has released a product called CryptoTrap, said to be effective at diverting the TeslaCrypt, Locky, and seven families of ransomware away from organizations' more valuable assets. 
crypto trap is being marketed to healthcare organizations. Of course, backing up files securely remains the single most important measure one can take for protecting against the effects of ransomware. A bit later, we'll hear from Johns Hopkins' Joe Kerrigan about the ins and outs of backing up your photos. In other cybercrime news, Zscaler's Threat Lab Z today reported finding a cyber squatting campaign that's delivering the agent Tesla keylogger. Zscaler's director of research, Deepin Desai, told the CyberWire that Agent Tesla is a criminal tool, not one typically used by state security services. The crooks use the keylogger TypoSquat on legitimate domains. The malicious site's URL is crafted to be one character different from that of a legitimate site, and hence easy to blunder into through a simple typographical error. The payloads carried by the vector include seven modules a USB spreader, melt functionality that can uninstall the malware from a victim machine, a webcam hack, a screenshot exfiltration capability, a keylogger, a password stealer, and an anti-analysis function that can detect sandboxes and virtualization, and that disables a variety of security programs. Two familiar banking trojans are causing fresh trouble. Ramnet is back, and it's said to be afflicting six major British banks. And DreamBot, a variant of the familiar Ursniff or Gozi malware, is also out again in the wild. Proofpoint warns that this time DreamBot is spreading over Tor networks. Protection of personal information, especially in systems that collect a lot of it, remains a difficult challenge. In the U.S., NIST, the proudly non-regulatory, as they call themselves, National Institute of Standards and Technology, has issued a draft publication on de-identifying personal data in government systems. NIST invites comments on this special publication 800-188. The goal of the proposed standard is to find ways of de-identifying personal data so that they may be made safely and innocently available for various public purposes. If you're an Australian kid and you're interested in a more palatable educational experience than tradition and cliché might lead you to expect in the classroom, well, good on you. Westpac, Deloitte, and other tech leaders are sponsoring a life journey day of STEM down under on September 5th. In industry news, the cybersecurity sector has seen speculation about an Optiv IPO. Chinese security firm Kihu has taken itself private. Dragos has raised $1.2 million in a seed fund round, and BlackBerry continues to work toward its reinvention as a security company. The Financial Times reports an unusual bit of apparent market moving. The paper says a short-selling hedge fund called Muddy Waters has publicly alleged cyber vulnerabilities in a pacemaker manufacturer's products in an apparent attempt to put downward pressure on the manufacturer's stock price. A U.S. federal court in Seattle has convicted Roman Seleznev of crimes related to a large-scale carding operation. Seleznev is son of a prominent member of the Russian Duma. He was spirited to U.S. territory Guam from a vacation in the Maldives back in July of 2014. Russian authorities grumbled about kidnapping, etc., but the extradition stood and Seleznev now faces a sabbatical somewhere in the Bureau of Prisons. Finally, Russia feels it's more sinned against than sinning in cyberspace. Influential Russians say they're more typically the victim than the perpetrator of cybercrime, and they point accusatory fingers in the general direction of Beijing. Who knows? To be sure, there's a lot of cybercrime in Russia, although its source and direction can be tough to assess. The world would welcome clarification, perhaps from the Seleznevs. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler 
the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Joe, a friend of mine, uh, she recently uh, lost her phone. This was troubling to her because she had about two years' worth of photos on that phone that she had not backed up. Those photos were gone. Um, There's that old joke about if there's a fire in your house, you know, the first thing you should grab are the photo albums because those are your your precious family memories. Well, our our precious family memories are on our mobile devices now. That's right, yeah. My my wife actually has a a very similar situation. She takes a lot of pictures. Uh, Just yesterday i bought a new sd card for her to put into her phone that's twice the size of the one she had because she's filled it up with pictures take a lot of pictures uh a lot of people do this i personally don't uh it's just not in my nature uh but there are ways to prevent what happened to your friend from happening uh there are a number of services out there uh, cloud backup services uh there's there's dropbox there's uh, OneDrive from microsoft and there's the google uh product i think it's called picasa there's uh, Google Photos. Google is, Photos is the, is the latest one from Google. Yeah, I actually use that one. Okay, and uh, these what happens is when you take a picture of uh, anything on your phone, uh, it is uploaded across either across your uh, data connection through your through your wireless provider, or you can actually set a setting that says I don't want to use my data for this, but next time I'm connected to Wi-Fi, go ahead and upload the photos, and then these photos are stored in the cloud for you on these uh, these service providers sites. And of course, the security angle is you're you're gaining the benefit of backing up your photos, but on the other hand, now someone else has your photos. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and you know, you have to make the decision of what the trade off is, and and you also need to understand the terms of use. The <laughs> of course, <laughs> right? You need to <laughs> read read the end user license. Yeah, because we all do right. that. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, the thing that's impressed me about about Google Photos uh, is are the search capabilities are absolutely amazing. Like, I can put in a, fo- you know, I can, I have family photos in there. I can say, show me all the photos of, um, you know, uh, people in the snow who are sledding, and they all pop up, and you know, it's it's like magic. Uh, it's amazing. I haven't I haven't played with Google Photos, but um, I, I'm going to have to take a look at that. That sounds like an amazing capability. Uh, 
And, and the thing too, I think, is that if you can use one of these services that's effortless, where you don't have to do anything but install the app or, or make it happen, correct? That's a great way to ensure that you, these precious memories are actually getting backed up. Right. So it's a good way to protect your photo data. All right, Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With Identity Orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. Here in the U.S., it's back-to-school time, with kids of all ages grabbing their backpacks, laptops, and mobile devices and heading to class. AT&T just released a white paper titled Helping to Secure Education Networks, which outlines the ways in which schools and colleges are particularly vulnerable to cyber criminals. The hacker community out there knows the value of higher educational data. Bindu Sundarasan is Strategic Security Services Practice Lead with AT&T Security Consulting. So hackers can gain access to information about students, the staff, the alumni, social security numbers, financial information, intellectual property, padded information held by universities, research staff. So, you know, clearly, you know, the type of data that an educational institution houses makes them a truly attractive target for the hacking community. All of this information that they do glean, they sell it in the black market to potentially create, uh, you know, fake identities, you know, leading to identity theft. So think about this, you know, for the future generation, you know, these are our kids whose information is stolen today. Ten years from now, when they have to apply for a job, when they have to get a car, those are the times that we would find out that, you know, their uh, credit history has been manipulated, their identity has been stolen. So, you know, this information is, um, you know, hot in the marketplace for being able to use against, uh, you know, creating fake identities. Yeah, I'd never really considered that part of it. That uh, I, I suppose a, a child's identity might be uh, might be more more pure. It, it, it might it doesn't have as much attached to it, which may make it valuable. Is that is that is that logical? Sure, and we don't keep track of it, right? Uh, as an adult, you know, we monitor our credit history. You know, we we really don't do that for our children, right? We don't really, you know, look at their personal information being manipulated, and we you know sort of try to keep the innocence of it. Are, are educational institutions generally underprotected? 
I would say yes, uh, you know, just because of the nature of the networks that they house. You know, it's an open network. It's about information sharing. Uh, although we are seeing a trend in which educational institutions are making a you know, more conscious choice in terms of security investments, you know, uh, traditionally because of the way networks within educational institutions have been architected, it's about being open but at the same time needing to be secure. So are they lagging behind in terms of other industries? I would say yes, but is the growing trend to you know make those conscious investments they are on the right path to be able to you know invest in this their growing trend is that they're doing a better job of it you know, I think of my own my own child who is a high school student, and I think of his relationship to the to the network in his school, and and I can't help wondering, uh, how much are students part of the problem? Uh, you know, uh, is there a sort of is there any sort of adversarial relationship between the students themselves and those who are trying to protect them and protect the school's network? Sure. You know, uh, again, uh, security is not just a technology problem. At the uh, end of the day, it is a human interaction, user-related problem, right? So, you know, as I have a child of my own, you know, most of the time is spent online, you know, who they interact with, how they connect to the network, you know, what is their perception in terms of the big picture, you know, how how is it relevant to them? So when we have those cybersecurity conversations with our kids, we want to make it uh, more realistic for them, you know, give them examples of how... Uh, information that is taken from them or what they share online, you know, how it could be used maliciously. You know, give them that big picture, have that talk with them about cyber safety and, you know, talk to them about why we want to install parental controls. Why do we want to, you know, ask them for information on which sites they're on, you know, what are they doing on Snapchat or Instagram for that matter, how all of this information can be weaved together to create a social profile of them, you know, by some malicious user. And and so what kinds of of attacks are most common uh, against educational institutions? So, you know, from for the larger universities and, you know, the larger educational institutions, we've seen uh, the DDoS and the ra- ransomware to be one of the most prevalent types of attacks. You know, we're seeing that, you know, uh, at the end of the day, the exploitation is done so that, uh, you know, you get the bandwidth of a larger institution and you're able to use them uh, against a DDoS attack that you want to perform for another organization. It's also about collecting this valuable research information. So we see nation-state actors as part of an organized crime ring, going in to see, you know, how they can get access to research data, whether it's nuclear research, you know, whether it is, uh, you know, uh, cancer research, all of these, you know, patent information that they want to gain from. So DDoS and ransomware would be the top attacks. We are also seeing a growing trend with, you know, phishing scams, as well as web application and mobile apps related attacks as well. And, and then for the, for the enterprises themselves, what kinds of things should they be looking out for? So I think the concept of a layered security protection, so the defense in-depth approach, back to the basics in terms of making sure that you're securing at each layer, the network layer, the endpoints, the application layer, as well as have a risk-oriented you know, security strategy in place. You cannot protect everything equally, so understand you know, where you're collecting the sensitive information, how it's being housed, you know, what are some of the basic steps that you can take to educate your user community, make sure that security awareness and training is part of that initiative, because ultimately you can invest all the tools and the technologies, but then the end user, you know, would be the weakest link. So make sure that you train your um, users as well. That's Bindu Sundarasan from AT&T Security Consulting. Their new white paper is Helping to Secure Education Networks.
And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. Thank you.